Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promise Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. We're going to talk Manchester United after a draw with Newcastle and looking ahead to Wednesday's game against Tottenham at Old Trafford. They're coming thick and fast at the moment, Rob, aren't they? Yeah, it feels like the season's just started or something like that after these kind of enforced lulls that we've had. There's now a lot of football to talk about and it feels like it's now going to be two games a week all the way up to Christmas. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Tiresome, some may argue, if you analyse Man United's performance and think of that one going forward. We'll talk about Newcastle, we'll talk about the Spurs game. In today's show, you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes, uh, you know, all of your audio platforms and watch us on YouTube twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, comment, get in touch with us on Twitter as well at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Today we'll talk uh, the, the Newcastle game. There's, it's at the time, there's been time for the dust to settle We'll look back at it. We'll look at what was wrong with it. We'll talk a bit of VAR, even though it's been done to death and everybody loves to do it, but it is such a point of contention. We have to touch on it. We'll talk absent players at the moment uh, and the significance of them. Christian Eriksen, Anthony Martial, we'll talk about those. And we'll look ahead to the Spurs game as well, because of the three games that United have, Newcastle, Spurs and Chelsea away on, on Saturday as well, that really was the game that you'd think United should be winning. Probably the easiest game of the three, and they didn't win it. So, uh, yeah, Rob, you were there. How did it go? Not great, Scott. So I think after like us saying what we felt quite calm about everything and how things were building, I think it was pretty clear to see that when you take one or two important players out of this starting eleven that have been mainstays this, this campaign since Ten Hag came to the football club, that Man United are not just maybe... 10% off, but maybe more like 40 or 50% behind where you would like them to be. So Christian Eriksen being sick and out of the team severely damaged United's ability to do things on the football pitch. It was quite clear. And I think, again, the more Anthony Martial is out or injured or has knocks and doesn't start games, you can see that forward line just does not work for whatever reason. Very, very difficult to create chances. Very difficult to get shots on target really, really tough to exploit any channels on the break or in quick transitions. So I think that's a, it's a tough one for, for Ten Hag. There wasn't a lot he could do on the day. I think his bench was quite weak. And yeah, just now, noticeably it was, very weak. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's, on one hand, it's looking with one eye to the future because there's lots of games coming up. Um, but I do think, obviously, there were injuries and sickness in the camp. So that might explain one or two of those things. But you could see that when things were not going right in the second half, get Rashford and nothing else. That was really it. You were only going to get one substitution and that's exactly how it panned out. Of course, he didn't have the game changer that is Scott McTominay on the bench because he was suspended because of accumulation of yellow cards. Although he is back for the Spurs game, I do believe. And looking at how the midfield performed the other day, especially if Christian Eriksen is not in there, uh, you'd think he might come into the start in 11. But like we said, you touched on Eriksen there, Rob. I mean, 
we knew, and we've said this on this show, and I tweeted it. I'm sure you've tweeted it as well that United don't have another midfielder like Christian Eriksen. So when he do, when he's not there, this is why I was like, you, know, you talk about his name, Frankie De Jong, over and over again. Somebody with a bit of quality on the ball. Bruno Fernandez doesn't really have that. Casemiro is a different profile of player. McTominay and Fred, everybody knows kind of what qualities they have or or lack thereof in some people's eyes. <laughs> uh, but Christian Eriksen has just proven in the first few weeks of the season that he is a player that is unique to Man United. And if they lose him for whatever reason, if there's an injury spell that he has or if he's ill, like it was this time around, uh, they look infinitely worse. They do. And I think once you take that level of intelligence out of your general play, it's almost impossible to recapture it. It's it's kind of tough telling this team, go and do everything you do with Ericsson at the heart of it, or go and do the things that you should do with Martial at the top end of the pitch, and then expect to see the same things. I just don't think you can expect it. And that was the fear, I think, when we saw the team sheet at, at Old Trafford for the Newcastle game. Kind of looked at it, and a few of us were talking. We were like... United look a little bit thin here in terms of the things they're good at. You know, it feels like they'll be inhibited. And and that's kind of exactly how the game played out. I wasn't surprised to see Ronaldo start again. But I think if you're starting Ronaldo three, four, five concurrent games, for whatever reason, injuries, form, whatnot, you are going to get diminishing returns. And that's exactly how it worked out. Now, Rashford's sick as well. We believe the same kind of illness to what Ericsson had, and that's going around in the camp. So fingers crossed it doesn't affect anyone else because it does tend to go around like wildfire at Carrington. Um, but you could totally see that when Ericsson isn't there in the number six position to put the ball on the deck and just play a progressive pass or just do a progressive carry to bring the ball out, when that's gone, United are in trouble. Fred was on the day horrific completely in everything he did. You know, his passing isn't there. Coverage is poor. Work rate is up and down. As a number eight, doesn't really do number eight things and doesn't blend well with Casemiro. I think that's an issue. But you need to get Ericsson and Martial back in this team as quick as possible if you want to go and win football matches. Let's talk about Fred because I think we touched on him the other week that he's out of contract next summer. The club do have an option on him. He's playing that bad at the moment. I'm thinking they might let him go for free. I think it's, it's always one of these difficult ones. The reason why United put options in is to protect their assets. So it's a bit like the Jesse Lingard Assets. situation. <laughs> Assets. Yeah. So this is the, this is the thing. This is how the board view footballers, isn't it? They are assets to them. They are worth money. You know, it's like having a property portfolio, you know, their buildings and this is what you have with your footballers. Now we want our footballers, don't we, to play well and help the team. That's what we always say. But I think when you look at Fred, you know, they'll keep hold of Fred because I think in terms of having him in the squad, he's a useful squad player. But then there comes a time, Scott, when you've actually got to play him. And I think this is the issue. When last year he used to get derided in the double pivot with his his partner there, McFred, and they'd play together. At least they were doing that function. And it was simple, running around, stopping the ball, moving it on, all of that. Now you want him to do something a little bit more expansive as a number eight. You know, you only saw that shot in the last minute where he's only got to slide it away and United win the game 1-0. He's just not up to it. It's not good enough. And that is, I think, how we look at a few of these plays. You can even take a Donny van der Beek and say, yeah, all right, decent at some things, but maybe not good enough for Man United. So I think for, for Fred, the jury's out. He's another player that could come good. We'd know this. We've seen it in the past where he's not played well and then suddenly found form. 
But I think him and Casemiro, it's a bit of a red herring because these two being Brazilians and playing for Brazil together doesn't mean it will work in the Premier League. And it certainly didn't work against Newcastle. Well, when they play for Brazil, they'll have Neymar ahead of them. Uh, you know, <laughs> that helps. Like, I, I guess it's all about you know you keep the you keep this midfield yeah. this part of the midfield pretty solid and just give me the ball. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you can, you know I don't you know I have a out of form Bruno Fernandes for it at the moment who just tries his uh, lofty risky passes. Which gee, I remember that United got a lot a lot a lot of stick uh, for when they did the summer that they didn't sign him. I think, yeah. and there was a reason, like it came out yeah. just afterwards, that yeah. United scouts looked at him and his passing completion, yeah, as a massive red flag. <laughs> yeah, we we talked to scouts at that time about it because we were all questioning why has this not happened, and what you're saying there was exactly the, the was the call. It was we're not particularly happy with the way he retains possession. Now we were like, well, no one at Man United can retain possession. Surely that's not an issue. He came to the football club, didn't he, in the first year and was a revelation. But I think what you're seeing now is that as Man United morph towards a 4-3-3, they kind of played a 4-1-2-3 in this game to start off with. If if you're going to have Bruno Fernandes as one of your number eights, you will suffer because he cannot pass the ball as well as you'd like him to. And this is what happens with him at Portugal, is that he doesn't play as a 10 for Portugal. He ends up in the midfield, and then he's normally the first one to get pulled out of games, normally after an hour. And that's a problem for him. And I think we're seeing this now manifest itself in this Man United team. Now, that's an issue because he's your captain and your leader and all of this. And again, lots of arm throwing in the air, lots of yip, yap, yap like this, non-stop. And you're like, please play football, boy. You know, that's how it felt. Like, you're, like, screaming at him outwardly. Like, please, Bruno, just play some football. But he has a problem with that. So I don't think that he's any long-term option in there in terms of a number eight. And I think that this is where Man United will move to get another midfielder because they need to put someone else in there who can pass the ball and they simply haven't got it. Yeah. The, the, the problem positions are absolutely obvious, aren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just... They, they were Neon never going to sign. Yeah, they were never going to sign all of these players in one summer. But you yeah. know, there's word that they were reluctant to spend in January. Uh, the money's run out, line, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe we'll have to wait for next summer. But then, you know, they were never going to be able to be the perfect finished article this year. So I'm tempering expectations a little bit. I, you expect mm. results like this Newcastle result, to be fair, unless you're in a dream world and you think United like, can you know, punch well above and it'll just, or everything will work perfectly straight away. No, this is a squad building process. Eric Ten Hag's probably learning a few things as well, but is Bruno at risk of being dropped? Do you think he'll do it? I think when Ericsson is available, then that's your only real opportunity to do that. So if Ericsson is fit, obviously in the next week or two, or even for this next match, then you've got the option of playing Ericsson further up the pitch. But then what happens is that you've lost your ball progressor, aren't you, from deep? So Casemiro can do it, but isn't brilliant at it. Fred, as we've just talked, cannot do it at all. He just cannot sit back in there and help. Um, so you, it ends up being everything on Ericsson's shoulders. And that's why Bruno, I think, is probably protected at the moment. But yeah, I'd like to see him on the bench. I really would. And this is I'm not interested in egos or superstars. I'm interested in how players can help the team. I think at the moment, Bruno just isn't doing that. And, and I don't like the connection between Bruno and Ronaldo. I think it's either one or the other. So if you play Ronaldo... I don't think Bruno suits him and never has, you know, didn't work last year, really. And and Bruno's numbers 
have diminished alarmingly. So from being involved in a goal a game for the first two years of his career at Man United, that's now drifting out to being involved in like a goal every four games. Now that is not good enough. That's going in the wrong direction. And yet here he is now wearing the armband, as people would think an automatic starter as captain, but you're actually looking at his performances. I don't think his performances are any better than the likes of Harry Maguire. I really don't. I think that there are big holes in the quality of his work. Yeah, I think Bruno's probably suffering because of the lack of, well, the team is suffering in general because Anthony Martial's been injured for the most of the season. Uh, and I think Bruno's not really the type of player to pick out those, the, the times that he does connect with like successful defense splitting mm. passes is when United are playing on the break and he's got someone like Marcus Rashford to run onto it. 100%. Transition football. So when United are playing, you know, successfully on the counter press and in transition, you've got pace to exploit. You can do that, can't you? But you know that Ronaldo won't run beyond the final defender. And that, I think, inhibits... Bruno he can't Lee. either now. <laughs> he can't. And you, like, uh, you know, not going to sit here and moan about Cristiano because I think he's an old age pensioner in football terms. You know, in dog years, he's very old now. And I think you kind of got to leave it and say, well, he can't do that running. There's no point saying, please run more, is there? There's just no point. You've got to find a different way. So um, Ronaldo might get you a goal here and there. But in terms of the setup of the team, you saw against Newcastle how it failed. And let's be honest, even the game before, you know, where United nick the game against a, a League One outfit in terms in Europa League terms, United only just got away with it that time, didn't they? So you probably shouldn't have expected too much against Newcastle. So how much do you blame Man United's lack of creativity, missing of great chances? Marcus Rashford and Fred had great chances in the in the closing stages of the game to win it, and they didn't. They missed. They put the ball off target. We have to talk about VAR, I guess, because, <laughs> uh, you know, it is we have to. It's a pertinent point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Man United in the fans' eyes, well, probably just in a general sense, had two penalties that they could have seen given. Newcastle yeah. certainly had a penalty that they should have seen given. None of the penalties were given. No. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo also tried to put the ball in uh, after a defender passed the ball back, but the whistle hadn't gone, but the, there's argument the whistle had gone and then the referee didn't allow the goal. Uh, where, where, where do you want to start, Rob? Because it's a bit of a shambles, to be honest, but, you know, it just changes from week to week. We've seen the handball rule. We've seen all of this kind of stuff. We saw it in Liverpool's game against City as well, where the refs letting fouls go like a little shirt tug and pull over. And then because it results in a goal, oh no, we have to go back and change that. Uh, plenty to talk about in the United game, though. Yes, and you know we'll start, I think, with the refereeing and VAR because I think overall to kind of talk too much about individual referees is kind of reductive. You know, every referee you have their kind of positives and their strengths and their weaknesses and whatnot. But I think when you look at the way that this game was refed, there were three penalties which really VAR should be given. Like it's pretty clear. I think when you looked at the Jaden Sancho incident. Again, it was kind of just in front of us. And it was absolutely clear that the Newcastle player kicked him. It's absolutely clear. You saw it. The leg came from left to right, catches his ankle. And yes, Jaden flies up in the air like he's been shot. I understand all of that. But you can't not give fouls because a player accentuates something. That happens all the time, doesn't it? It's happened for 
50 years where players accentuate contact and he's been kicked in his ankle. So he's gone up in the air. It's a penalty. Uh, there was one for Ronaldo later on where um, he's going to pull the trigger and Trippier just basically goes hip to hip into him and really hard. Now that is a foul. It's not a shoulder tackle. You know, it's no shoulder bars, nothing legal about that. It's illegal. And then there was one for Callum Wilson where he runs between Varane and uh, and um, Martinez. And to be fair to Wilson and to Newcastle, I watched that in real time and I thought it was a penalty. I saw Varane. So did I. I, said, I said penalty. Yeah, on. he checks across his run. That's illegal. You can't do that. You can't check the player. It, it doesn't matter if people, people call it soft. No, it's either a foul or not a foul. It's just a yes or no question. There's no such thing as soft or hard or any of that rubbish. Just yes or no. So yes, I think it was a foul. So you'd have had two, three penalties there, all awarded, and United would have won the game 2-1. That's, that's what the result should have been. So I don't really understand why VAR thought that it was not right to give those pretty clear and obvious errors. I think it needs to be looked at again. I don't understand what English refereeing is doing with VAR. And we've said this last year. We said this with the implementation. It seems to be an English problem. It does not happen in the foreign leagues. This constant whirl of about rules kind of being tweaked and tweaked back and handball rules. What's handball this week? Is that a handball? But if I put my hand out here, is that handball? Is that, If I put my arm down my side, is that handball? And it happens every week, doesn't it? Every week now we're, we're questioning stuff that's pretty easy to interpret those three penalties were penalties they were fouls and var should be giving them if craig porson isn't it's funny that they brought in var to correct the mistakes of officials yet it just allows the mistakes to flourish even more and creates even more of a debate yeah <laughs> i guess it's it's a it's a it's a subsequent debate to football matches you know that yeah they can't really let go. <laughs> but the yeah. issue is here, Scott, the issue is here to kind of cap it off, is that if you're going to send a referee to a monitor, but we know that when the referee goes to the monitor, it will get overturned. Yeah, it's, it's weird. What is the is, point yeah. in sending them to the monitor? So either just overturn it and save everyone a minute of our lives, yeah, and do it like that and say, no, ref, you got it wrong. And the ref goes, well, you're a referee too. I'll trust it because you've got a screen and I haven't. There's no point doing this kind of theatre of the referee going over and then he looks, doesn't he? And then he turns around and he goes, yeah. just stop. Don't do it. Just tell the referee whether he's right or wrong. You know, so that's the whole point. I don't think like Craig Pawson, I showed a picture of the Sancho one on Twitter and he is like, he is 10 yards away. So if he cannot see that or he misses it for whatever reason, VAR has to help him. And VAR wasn't helping him on the day because those three penalties should have been awarded. And, and I think it's got to be, you've got to take that away now. Stop think, all this. There's also, there's also a security blanket, I think, that referees have because they know that VAR isn't there. That's probably might be why Porson didn't whistle it. He was thinking, oh, if that's a penalty, VAR will tell me that it is. Partly, but we, let's use the Arsenal game and let's use our normal Arsenal segment on the show. You have the Arsenal game there, yeah, where in that incident, in that moment, it was with Bamford, wasn't it? I think it was. And there's a in the box and the referee blows it, goes over to the uh, assistant, comes back over, red card for Gabriel, yeah? Then it goes to VAR and VAR says no, because we've seen that there's an infringement further on in the move. He goes back over to the, the to Gabriel, waves it off, yellow card, Reed says it, doesn't award the penalty, and everyone carries on. That's how it should work. That's what VAR is there for, to kind of help correct errors, because the referee made that choice in good faith, but he got it wrong. 
but it's okay to overturn it. So I don't understand why you wouldn't look at the Sancho penalty so specifically, and he quite clearly gets kicked. You see that on a replay, you see it in real time. Why is that not giving us a penalty? So this has to be cleared up, and it is a Premier League issue. It does not happen in the same magnitude in La Liga or Syria or any of the other leagues abroad. I'm so sick of it. Like, honestly, I just choose not to get... I just, I have to ignore it. Like, you have I mean, to. We want, we want them to do it today. But, like, I just look at it and I think, oh, there's another one. But what it, are you going to do? You're just wasting your energy because they're, they're not going to change. They're not going to change, but you hope, Scott, that they do tweak it to make it more advantageous to referees because it's supposed to be there to help the ref. It's not there to kind of embarrass them or make them feel bad about themselves or undermine them. But I do think you can now say, hang on, a video ref on those quick calls can make a better judgment than the referee on the field. So the referee on the field can do everything else, but those big calls have got to come from VAR and VAR has to be braver and say, actually, you got that wrong. That is a penalty, but you thought it wasn't, but we can see contact. And that's how it works in every other sports cop. So how it works in rugby. The referee says to the, 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 their version of VAR, tell me what you see. And he says, oh, I saw that, you know, the ball wasn't grounded, so it's not a try. That's okay. Because the referee might have given that as a try because he's seen an action that looks like a grounding. So it does work, but only if you've got the faculties to actually make it work. And I think English football has a kind of weird egotistical problem with VAR. Hopefully there'll be no VAR needed in Man United's game against Spurs at Old Trafford on Wednesday. Like we said earlier, there's a potential, well, there's still doubt over Christian Eriksen's fitness and Anthony mm-hmm. Martial's fitness or readiness to play because I, I believe that Martial's got an injury and Eriksen has been ill. You mentioned Marcus Rashford's been suffering a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, this is a difficult game. I know Spurs have lost Richarlison, but they do have... Uh, Kulisevsky, who's not confirmed to be fit yet, but he's kind of in the same boat as uh, the two players I just mentioned on United's side. Mm-hmm. Difficult game, this one. Uh, Spurs are not going to come in and give too much away. And the way that United are creating at the moment against teams that sit in, difficult one. Difficult one. And I think kind of the paradox also here is that Man United might play better against Spurs because it's Spurs. There Possibly. might be a kind of yeah. there might be a kind of uptick in terms of maybe their energy and their work rate, their concentration. Because I think that was missing at times against Newcastle. United just thought things would happen for them and it didn't. And then they were a bit like, hmm, why is that not happening? Well, maybe try and pass the ball properly and stuff like that. So you might see a, a more quality in Spurs. But the, the issue there, of course, is the way that Conte sets up and how he plays his team. So that three at the back system kind of morphing into a five, going into a low block, playing on the counter-attack is perfect to exploit and hurt Manchester United, especially when Man United cannot keep the ball for longer than two or three passes. So we did see against Newcastle that United went through phases of the game where they just played keep ball, but like tiki-taka in no man's land, like the centre circle. Now, that was obviously an instruction to maybe help try and get Newcastle to come out so you could exploit them behind. But Newcastle were like, no, we're not doing that. We'll take a point if we have to. And I think Spurs will come with the same the same attitude. Yeah. They'll be like, if we get nil-nil here, we will take that. But if we win one-nil or two-nil or two-one, we'll also take that as well. So United need to be smart. If they're, if they're losing uh, Ericsson in terms of the intelligence, someone else in that team has to bring it. And that's the problem. And that's where Bruno Fernandes either has to step up to the plate 
or get out firing line because this is the problem. You need him to be a better version of himself. And I'm going to keep putting pressure on him this year because people want to kill Marcus Rashford every week. Marcus Rashford misses chances. I had someone told me the other uh, at the game, they said Rashford um, is really out of form this season. And I said, well, Rashford's the reigning Premier League player of the month. So mm-hmm. what do you mean? That cannot be true. But yet people like Bruno, it really does. Bruno and Ronaldo, they escape this criticism because of their standing in the fan base. So I think we need to put more pressure on these guys if they're the leaders of the football team. And, and I'll be interested to see what he does. I think Rashford, if he's fit, will play as the number nine if, if, if um, you find that uh, Martial isn't fit enough. And I don't know how you start Ronaldo in the current climate of how you're going to play football. It becomes more difficult because surely he must be getting tired now after, what, four straight games? kind of playing almost 90 or, well, 70 minutes the other day, but playing full football matches, his body is going to start giving out. I look back to this fixture last season when uh, Ronaldo scored a hat-trick against Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he might stick with Ronaldo personally. Um, maybe change it up on the wings, but we'll see. I mean, I look at the Chelsea game, I think maybe hmm. that's not a game for Ronaldo, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think... So maybe he plays this one and drops him for the next. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what he manages to do. We'll see if, see what happens with fitness. If Martial's fit, I think he starts both games. But, you know, yeah. it's a If Martial's bet. fit for the rest of the season, Martial starts every game. Yeah. Because you just, you cannot do anything in that front line without someone that links with those number eights when they're running on. And that was the issue against Newcastle. So every time Ronaldo was involved in play moving forward, anything progressive, United lost the ball pretty much every time. So that's a big problem, especially against Tottenham, where you're going to have a wall of people in front of you. You need to play quick, incisive football in and around there or get around the back, bring them out a little bit and use someone's pace like Rashford. So there's lots of questions there, I think, for Ten Hag to answer. But it wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo starts. But I do think that you're getting diminishing returns from a guy who's quite old and is, I think, suffers in those circumstances. Yeah, we'll see what uh, Eric Ten Hag chooses. We'll see how that game pans out. I'm expecting a draw, to be honest. I, I, at best, I, well, it could go either way, couldn't it? To be yeah. honest, but I think that's why I'm sitting on the fence for this one. But a draw isn't great for United either with the games that they have coming up. I think they have West Ham coming up soon as well. Diff- difficult run of matches against teams that will give United a real good game. And I think they're fifth in the league at the moment. So challenge you got Liverpool coming back you know yeah. it, getting their power back uh, so they'll be above them in in a couple of games time if United don't buck up but inevitable in it it was always going to happen this was always going to be a challenge in Ten Hag's first season it is a challenge and it's look it's, this is so up and down isn't it because if you do score those two chances at the end there with Fred and Rashford this is a different podcast we're like well we didn't play well but we won, so that's good, isn't it? And it's the same with Spurs. You don't actually have to play well against Spurs. Just go and beat them. Yeah, yeah. you can beat the Spurs team. What I worry about at the moment is watching Spurs closely for work is that you can see how good Kane and Son are, are becoming again. Kane had like one dodgy week, the first week of the season, and then has just slowly but surely played into form. Son obviously got a hat-trick recently, scored also in the, in the, um, the Champions League. You can see that they're finding four. That's what worries me for this game is that they continue that that kind of ascent back up to the best performances. And Man United, because of illness, because of injury, have to like tread water for a few weeks. But again, Scott, it doesn't really tell us a lot. If you do lose this game because Spurs have got better pieces than you have, 
well, that's football, isn't it? That's normal. But of course, fans will react to that. It's up to other players now to step up. I said Man United's big players have got to find a way of influencing results positively and not negatively, because I think it is the latter. Anything to touch on, Rob, before we go? I mean, we'll leave the transfer talk for another day because, well, I, to be honest, I don't even know what's going on on the transfer. At the moment, but... <laughs> well, you were at the Ballon d'Or last night, weren't you? So it's a bit of a late one for you. you oh, to, God, you, yeah. Scoot I'm... your way to Paris and back. It's a really I'm very tired. Very, very, very tired. Very, tired. very, you know, Manchester United having these games coming up and then all these events like that. Congratulations to Karen Benzema, by the way. Um, but no, and just to add, I just think... It, this process is going to be a bit of a slow one now, all the way up to January transfer window. You just said there that the money's run out. That that's kind of the narrative coming through. Um, I don't think it is. I think Man United... If In they quotation need to, marks with my fingers. Yeah, yeah. Man United absolutely do not want to spend any money. We know this. They do not want to spend more money as it stands. But I think they're prepared to. I think they understand that if they get to January and say United are six by three or four points and they need to get in that Champions League, they will go and find a striker. I really do believe that. And, and it doesn't know whether it'll be the striker you want, but it might be someone that helps Ten Hag play better football and win more football matches. It might be someone we've not even even spoken about yet. Uh, I think that is to come. But uh, we need to analyse our next few weeks to see what Man United can do before this World Cup, because the World Cup will take over the the vibe in our industry. It will go towards that, and everyone will start talking about international football. But you've still got a ton of games to pack in now in the next few weeks. How exciting, uh, Rob! This has been a. I think this has been quite a swift one. I haven't got a. I haven't got a timer, but I think we're um, bit of a review we, preview. Yeah, middle, covered all bases. There's no way you can combine review preview as one word because review is in the word preview. So yeah, uh, preview, I, preview, re- re- review, something like that. We'll find a way. <laughs> if, if you have any ideas for the review preview, a snappy name, get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise on Them. You let us know as well what you think of United's recent performances, uh, what you're expecting for the Spurs game because that will come around quickly you know then go to chelsea on saturday evening i believe it's a 5 30 kickoff issues with tickets there obviously always uh these leagues always always thinking of the fans first as you know rob mm-hmm. it's just pathetic isn't it to be honest but um yes you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on apple google spotify and the likes and watch us on youtube as well twice a week on the Promised Land pod, a Man United podcast, you can just search that in your YouTube search bar. Hit the like button on this video and all the videos we've done before. Subscribe, leave a comment, join the community and get in touch with us on Twitter as well. I just told you the where you can find us. But uh, until Friday, Rob, I believe we'll be back on Friday to talk the Spurs game and look ahead to Chelsea in another review preview version of the Promised Land. Rob, thank you very much uh, for chatting again. Always a pleasure. And listener, we will speak We will be speaking to you soon. I was going to say we'll see you soon, but obviously you'll see us soon, but we'll be speaking to you soon. Thanks very much. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.